We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle podcast. I'm Sammy Jacobs. Along with us is TJ Inman. And we'll be going over the cream and crimson game. What happened on Friday night in Bloomington uh, as Indiana wrapped up their spring practice. We'll also talk about uh, some uniform news, what that means uh, for the program, what it means uh, to us, and, and how Fred Glass rectified a mistake that he made last year. And then we'll get into some stuff that IU needs to do heading into the summer. Uh, we're not college football list in terms of IU up until August, uh, Big Ten Media Days coming in mid July. So we'll have those. So we'll touch on all of that, uh, get ready for the long haul over the summer, and uh, we'll get right to it. TJ, welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? Doing great. Yeah, it's, uh, we should record more often. Every time we do so, recently it's been beautiful out. So uh, I don't know if that's a harbinger of things to come, hopefully, every couple weeks, which is the off-season schedule we're going to get on uh, for everybody and cover a lot of stuff all off-season. You know, every every couple of weeks you'll get one board to stay at least. Now that you said that, you probably jinxed it, and in two weeks when we cover something else, there'll be a blizzard and eight feet of snow. Yeah. Uh, if anybody is uh, wants to complain, you can send your tweets to at TJ Hoosier Huddle. I will not give him your cell phone number or his email address, but you can tweet at him all you want, <laughs> and there is snow in two weeks. Uh, on the first week of May. So uh, just wanted to get that out of the way. I did not jinx the weather. It was DJ. Uh, but let's get yep. down. Um, you did mention that we're going to start talking about more national things. And, and just as a programming note, we, we are going to rebrand here uh, a, a little bit and, and give you the quality podcast that, that you all deserve. So we'll get into that in May. If you have topics you want to us. It's the 150th anniversary of college football. Uh, if you want to get into that, if there's national topics you want to have discussed, please send in your suggestions um, to our Twitter at Hoosier underscore Huddle or email us at thehoosierhuddle at gmail.com. Uh, now that that's out of the way, TJ, let's get into uh, the Cream and Cream wrap, uh, game wrap-up. What were your initial thoughts from the game? Well, I, I think uh, Indiana did a nice job of keeping things moving. Uh, I thought it was a pretty easy watch. Sometimes uh, the spring games can be kind of tedious, but I thought it was a pretty easy watch. Um, and, I, you know, credit to Indiana for that. It got a nice day for it. And, um, you know, I think uh, Big Ten Network, it is what it is. You don't expect 
much in the way of in-depth analysis from Big Ten Network with Indiana football. So, uh, patience, and uh, I was not disappointed by that. Um, in terms of on the field, uh, you know, we'll get into offense, defense, breakdown in a little bit, but uh, just in general, I thought the team defense uh, speed was very evident, uh, particularly at the back. Uh, secondary and linebackers, I thought, um, you know, just their speed jumps off the screen. Uh, and then offensively, uh, you know, impossible to take anything from the running game uh, because, you know, you've got uh, very few of your top-end running backs, really none of your top-end running backs playing, uh, none of the guys you would expect to carry the ball much in, in this coming season uh, played. And then the offensive line was, you know, shuffling things a lot, some veterans. Uh, so it's hard to take much of the running game, but the defense really didn't give them anything at all. Uh, the one offensive player that I thought was particularly impressive was Donovan Hale. Uh, just in the way he moved, uh, he caught everything thrown to him, uh, and he looks like the kind of big physical number two receiver that uh, you know Indiana fans are hoping for from him. Uh, everything we've heard coming into the spring game was how impressive he'd been, and he backed up really good performance. Yeah, Donovan Hale was a player that early in spring um, – stuck out to me. He was moving and moving a lot smoother. Uh, that's due to him losing losing some weight. Uh, Grant Hurd and Tom Allen both say he needs to lose five more pounds. It limits the pounding on his legs. Uh, people have to remember, he, he came in to IU coming off uh, a major knee injury in yeah. high school. That took him, you know, it, people say that it only takes a year to recover, but we Brook last year uh, and some other guys that it really takes to get back to 100%. And so now that um, Donovan Hill has, has lost some of that weight, he looks a lot smoother, having on his legs, and he, he looks like a guy who's primed for a, a big season, uh, a go-to receiver. He's not going to be the run from that field and blow by guys, threat, but more of the Simi Cobb throw it up and he'll go get it uh, type of athlete and really a reliable uh, big bodied receiver who you think that in the red zone you could uh, throw him the ball and he could box guys out so I expect a big season out of him Uh, TJ I thought that the offensive line is tough to grade it is going to be a concern it's still a concern for me I know it's a concern for a lot of fans but I thought um, the offense in spring practice in general really started slow and, and then finished on that upswing uh, that we talked about in one of the articles this weekend. Uh, the last few practices that I got to see, the offense really counterpunched the defense pretty well. Uh, but the offensive line, even though we're missing uh, a couple of guys, um, a couple guys in the spring game uh, with Simon uh, Stepniak, and what Kronk, uh, those front five, I'm pretty confident in uh, to be solid. It's building the depth uh, behind them, where me them being out for those, uh, you know, final spring practices uh, helps helps build that depth. But it, it's still a, a major concern going into fall camp is can they get ten guys uh, who can play on the line 
just in case somebody goes down. But I, I'm confident in the front five. Uh, there are a couple reserves who I'd be confident uh, putting there as well. And then you have some young guys who need to grow into the position uh, and add, you know, that off-season workout and conditioning. Defensively, mm-hmm. I thought the defense, they took the ball away. Every so often they got burned. Uh, the long touchdown to Ty Freifogel that came against Reese Taylor. Reese Taylor has not played a whole lot of defense on uh, in his career. So that's understandable that he got burnt. But, you know, with those plays, they, they limited them. There weren't a ton of big plays. Uh, and then they got their takeaways. And, and, you know, they ended up losing the game before 48-33 or something like that. But a lot of that is came off of uh, field goal kicking, uh, those field goal kicking contests where it was kind of uncontested. Uh, there was no rush. It was just a snapper, holder, and kicker, and a lot of guys screaming in the background. But um, that's where 21 of those points uh, came from. So if you take away the field goal contest, uh, the, the defense scored more points. But So uh, the offense won. But I, I thought the defense acquitted themselves nicely. Uh, they, they do need to beef up that defensive line in the middle. Uh, we saw a little bit of the speed that they could have on the outside. Uh, at defensive end, speed in the secondary, and at linebacker, which I think has been impressive this spring that everybody's talked about. And if they could get some of these big freshmen in and on campus and ready to play, uh, they should have a pretty solid defense. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, I, I mean, Juan Harris, uh, that's a big boy. That is a big, big man. Um, I, I will say, you know, for as big as he is, I thought he moved really well uh, on Friday. And, I, you know, um, when I was having an impact, when they were having to double-team him a couple of times that I noticed, and I'm sure it happened more, I, I did not have my eyes fixed on Juan Harris. Um, but when I noticed him, uh, he was getting quite a bit of attention from the offensive line. And him taking up that space allows those linebackers and those pass rushers to go make plays. Uh, that's what he's there for. He's a space eater get that uh, interior penetration. And, uh, you know, I, I thought it was an encouraging first sign from him. Uh, I know the coaching staff is, uh, you know, definitely hoping he can have a huge impact. Uh, they'll need him to. You know, he's going to be a guy they're going to have to rely on. So uh, that was good to see. Along the offensive line, the only player that I really – there were two guys that I, I singled out and watched. Uh, one is Caleb Jones at right tackle because I'm – you know, he's he's a – another really big guy uh, and another player that's going to have a big impact on this season, uh, either in a positive or negative way. I mean, if Caleb Jones is capable uh, of being a good right, uh, and I was encouraged by by how he moved on Friday night, um, if he's capable of being a a fixture at right tackle, I think it really makes Indiana's starting five on offense uh, on the line really good. Uh, If he's a question mark for you where, where, you're not sure what you're going to get from him in a week-to-week basis, uh, you know, that, that creates a bit of a headache because I don't think there's anyone out there right now that I'd feel good slotting in there besides him. Uh, and the other player I looked at on that line was freshman Matthew Bedford. Um, you know, I'm not an offensive line expert, but to me, he looked the part. I thought Bedford looked like he belonged on that field um, from a physical standpoint, from a size standpoint. And just from a movement standpoint, I thought he looked like he belonged out there. 
uh, and the coaches and his fellow offensive linemen have all uh, talked very much and, uh, and Michael Kadick. So um, I think Indiana's in good shape there with, with Matthew Bedford. I think he'll be a really good player for Indiana. Perhaps not this year. I mean, you hope you don't have to rely on him that he can just play four games and spot duty, get a little bit of experience and redshirt. That's what you're hoping. Uh, and then rely on him for the future, uh, maybe as early as next season. But I was impressed by those two guys. And then, um, you know, the other player uh, on offense that I do want to mention, I feel like we're somewhat obligated to, to talk about this, Peyton Ramsey, uh, the only quarterback that, that took any snaps or threw anything uh, with, you know, Michael Penix. We saw him at skeleton drills uh, in between a couple of the quarters. So it was good to see him out there throwing the ball. I thought Penix, the first skeleton drill that um, he was he was shaky, uh, which is understandable. The second one, I thought he he settled in and threw some really nice passes, including a touchdown uh, pass across the middle uh, that he placed perfectly and and really uh, showed off the arm strength. So that was good to see. Ramsey. Uh, to me, it looked like a lot of the same uh, from last year. Some positives, some negatives. Uh, the one glaring one being the arm strength. Just those out passes, they just don't get to the receiver quick enough. Um, down the field, he, he exhibited nice touch on one pass, which was uh, a seam route over the middle, uh, which or up the middle, if you will, the tie fry vogel, which I was encouraged to see just because we saw that so rarely last season from Mike DeBoard's offense, we didn't see very much uh, deep. And when we did see it, it was always, uh, you know, those passes along the sidelines. I was encouraged to see uh, a seam route for Ty Freifogel. He beat Reese Taylor um, and, you know, made a, it was a good pass. It was a good pass from Ramsey. I think it was about 38 yards. Uh, very well placed. However, you know, he had several others that uh, he took deep shots on that, to be frank, were not anywhere near the receiver. Um, so, you know, up and down from Ramsey, uh, I didn't see anything on Friday that makes me, you know, feel as if he's taken some giant leap forward in terms of uh, his arm strength. And, and that has been the concern uh, the entire time and the entire offseason. It will continue to be. Uh, and if uh, – Game one, I think the biggest reason is going to be that arm strength and that uh, Michael Fenix or Jack Tuttle show enough to the coaches that they can be a bigger difference maker for the Hoosiers than Ramsey can. Uh, uh, you know, besides that on offense, um, I didn't see a whole lot. I mean, Miles Marshall dropped a couple of passes, uh, but I did see him in the slot show me some things that I'm excited about. Again, Westbrook. Wap Fillier, they didn't play, so the offense um, missing quite a bit of its explosiveness. Uh, but from what we saw, those were the guys that kind of jumped out to me on defense. James Miller, just I continue to be very excited about him. But every time I watch him move around, uh, he's a guy that I continue to think can be a really, really good player for him. Uh, and then I would say the same about Cam Jones as well. Uh, and they moved him around some. He played three different spots that I noticed uh, on Friday night. He's going to be a versatile piece of the defense. I thought the secondary, um, you know, really showed 
why they can be so good uh, with their coverage skills. They did have a couple of bone assignments that uh, resulted in some open passes, but uh, overall, I think a good night for the secondary that showed what they're capable of doing and um, showed some of that versatility that I think we're all excited to see how Kane Womack displays that. Um, and then I will just uh, throw a, a special mention. You mentioned field goal kicking. Logan Justice, I think uh, it was good to see him get out there and make some kicks. And uh, if anyone had in their mind for some reason that perhaps last year was a fluke from him, I don't know why you would. It was an entire season of really solid field goal kicking from him. Uh, but he had a really good night on Friday as well. So that was, you know, good to see. Yeah, uh, to go back to to the quarterbacks uh, a little bit, it was, you know, more the same from Peyton, like you said. Right. He he did make some really nice throws. Uh, he, he can create with his legs, but yeah. you're still limited in that offense, uh, especially with that out route. And, and when you go – the biggest thing to me with that out route is when you go two minutes or two-minute drill – you need that 15-yard out route that'll get you the first down and get you out of bounds to stop the clock. He, he just can't make that play. Uh, I thought no. Penix, you said he looked a little rusty. It was it was a nice day in Bloomington, but it was a little chilly if you're just standing on the sideline not playing and, and um, you know, sitting for a quarter. It looked like a quarterback who had sat for a quarter. And that's uh, in that first drill, and that's that's what it, it looked like. But you know, the fumbles are a little bit of a concern on offense. It's good to see the defense. Now, it's great that they, the offense and the defense, both made big plays. That that was really encouraging. One side didn't dominate the entire game, which I think it would be a fear if if defense came out and just dominated the offense. I think this fan base would be yeah. panicked. Um, and I think it was, you know, much less so a panic if the offense came out and dominated and I It would be more of a shock, but it wouldn't be as panicked. You'd be excited uh, for the offense. But I, I thought that uh, I, I thought that the game was fantastic. It was, I think, under two hours, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it went really quickly. A lot of big plays. I like having this game as part of the little 500 weekend. It's something that, you know, people need to have some patience on. There really isn't a good week for the IU spring game. Um, if you do it a week before, you're you're playing roulette with the weather. Um, you're still playing Russian roulette with the weather uh, this week as well. Next week is Easter. I think it somewhere into that little 500 weekend where you're patient with it. The team's got to win some games in the season, get to those, you know, get to a couple winning seasons and fans will come in, but you got to make an event too and and encompassing it with little 500, which is, let's face it, the biggest weekend on campus all year. It, you have a chance to make it part of that big weekend where, you know, maybe you move the women's race up an hour, you move the spring game back half an hour uh, so people could get one place to another. Uh, but it it's, should be uh, part of the fabric of that weekend. And, and it would be really cool, um, like the A-Day they have in Alabama uh, and Auburn, 
is have that weekend is, is little 500 weekend that includes the Iowa football spring game. And, and I think another, we'll, I'll bark up this tree until it happens. If you serve alcohol at games and in the spring game, people will come, especially during little five weekend. Uh, but in, in general, I do like it having, I, I do like having it on this weekend. I believe little 500 was pushed up a week. Uh, because of Easter, and so if you keep it at the regular little five week, you push it a week later back in the spring. You're kind of safer with the weather and and, and getting warm weather. So uh, overall, I thought the spring game was fantastic. I thought BTN did a good job, um, good job with it. Uh, they interviewed coaches and players. They had it live on BTN, which I don't remember the last time the IU spring game was not just on BTN to go. So uh, no. good work on them. I think good work on, on IU's part. And it, it's, it's a spring game. Now you have to add to it and, and maybe find some other festive things to do uh, to get people in there. But having a little 500 weekend, it, it, that's, that's the first step. Now you can tweak some things and, uh, and, and go from there. So, TJ, that puts a bow on the, the Cream and Crimson game. What is one thing that you think IU needs to needs to have fixed or needs to work on as they head into, into the summer in order for the season to be successful? The, the biggest thing that I would, you know, and I'm not going to say, oh, we didn't see this in the spring game, so it's just not there, uh, you know, the players that I would expect to provide these types of plays, uh, they didn't play on Friday night. And it's not a, an avenue where you're looking for that uh, necessarily. So I, I'm not panicking about this, but uh, I would love for Indiana to spend a lot of time focusing on finding explosive plays. Uh, and that's that can come from a lot of sources. We talked about it last season. We talked about it so far this uh this offseason on our podcast, I think it's crucial for Indiana to find explosive plays through scheme, through personnel. Uh, you know, there's a lot of ways to do it, but that's that's kind of the one thing that stands out in my mind as being something Indiana needs to find a way to, to get uh, as they head into 2019 season. I think outside of health, uh, you know, right. getting guys back and getting guys healthy, which will happen in time, having the mental fortitude to be able to get through this season. You know, time and time again, we've seen IU race out to, to hot yep. starts, uh, go 3-1 and one or 4-0 and oh or, you know, whatever it is, you know, and, and stumble uh, through the Big Ten season and come up short in some of these big games and, and not be able to respond to adversity uh that's my thing. It's work on mental toughness. Whatever you have to do to work on that mental fortitude to where, you know, it, it's a game like Minnesota doesn't happen. A, a game like like Maryland a couple a couple years ago doesn't happen. Where a, a game like Rutgers in 2015 doesn't happen, where you could get punched in the mouth, get back up, and, and keep moving uh, moving forward. And, and come out the victory. So whatever off-season work they do uh, with strength coaches in the preseason, 
uh, with coaches, whether or not they bring in, you know, Marines and, and do military workouts. It's, can you face adversity? And, and the you know, Tom Allen's theme this year is grit, and that's something that they're going to need to work on. It is when the, when the chips are all down on the table and you're kind of facing the adversity. Can you can you keep your energy level up, bear down, and uh, and make and make make a big play, make that big interception, make that big stop, catch that ball in the end zone, uh, hang on, get that first down to kill the clock, things like that, and that all starts in the off season, and um, and it starts the veteran guys. So that's that's my big thing for them to work on uh, outside side of health uh, in the offseason. TJ, some other news that came out today. Indiana will be returning to having names on the back of their jerseys. I know the decision not to pissed a lot of people off uh, for various reasons, uh, whether or not fans could identify players on the field without using a roster. Uh, you know, Fred Glass said, I believe said today that he uh, – he listened to fans the distance from the field. Look, I, I could barely see the numbers from the press box without, you know, without glasses. So that's not a big issue to me if, unless I, I'm watching on TV or, right. you know, I'm in the first 10 rows. Me, it made it a, I thought last year's uniform, if it had a name on the back, looked awesome. It had the candy stripe sleeves. It had a little detailing. But without the nameplate, it looked cheap. It looked like something you, you not as TJ Maxx as Michigan State's new uniforms, but something you oh, pull off the, the discount rack at, at TJ yeah. Maxx um, or whatever is a step above it, Target. Um, those are those are uh, those Michigan State alternate uniforms. That boy, um, they're all sure somebody it's, likes them. I'm, I'm sure somebody likes them, but those are, uh, you know, you say, oh, they're just not for me. Well, I, I don't know who those are for. Uh, those are bad. They're for the discount rack at TJ Maxx. Um, I guess. If, yeah. if you ha- if you have it, if you haven't seen it, uh, Google it, guys. It is hideous. It's got neon green state across the chest. But we're not here to discuss Michigan State and their terrible wardrobe choices. Uh, we're talking about IU. I think putting the name on the back, it, it means a lot uh-huh. to players, especially players who might be first-generation college students. Uh, to represent yep. their family name is a big deal. And I, I think it's great that Fred Glass reversed his decision. He deserves a lot of credit for selling his pride in doing that. Uh, the uniform yep. should look a lot better. And it gives – and football, it's not like basketball – Football, the guys, the helmets on, they're hard to see. You know, you just know it by the number. Now, basketball, you can see their faces. You get, you know, it's a little bit more personal than than football. Now that you have names on the back of the jerseys, fans can recognize them easier. Uh, And I I think that's a big deal, especially for a sport and a program that needs fan interest. And whatever can make the fan – more interested and easily interested in IU football, you got to do. So I, I think this is a step in the right direction. 
and maybe we'll see a new uniform here, uh, you know, an alternate sometime in the future. I don't know, but I think that uniform last year with the little details um, and mm-hmm. the the matte finish helmet with the nameplate is going to look really, really good. Yep, I don't see any negatives to it. Uh, I mean, I I think it was a decision that I understood the basic premise behind it, but I thought it was uh, a poor decision that just lacked um, just lacked foresight to understand how people were going to take that. Um, and, uh, you know, they, the result was perfectly expected, and that's, that's what, what we saw, uh, basically criticism across the board. And Indiana, as you said, they deserve a lot of credit for uh, recognizing, hey, this doesn't work, it's not making any sense, let's just do the common sense logical thing and just reverse course, put the names back on, and there we go. Uh, and I think that that's, you know, a non-bullheaded way of going about it, and it is appreciated. Yep, and and I, I like the sentiment of the name on the front of the jersey means more than the sure. name on the back, and that old-school mentality. I get it, kind of like it, uh, but that name on the back also means a lot to these players uh, and a yep. lot to the family sitting in the stands. I, I've had their parents, you know, comment on the article on, on Facebook or Twitter and say, we're so happy that our name could be represented on, on the field at IU. And, and it's just a, you know, it's a moment of pride for, for mothers and fathers and grandparents and uncles and aunts to see their kid who's worked so hard run out of the tunnel and see their name um, on the back of Jersey. Now to the, to the average fan, that might not mean that much, but if you have a child who plays sports and has, represents you going out, you know, going out on the field uh, of competition, you feel that sense of pride, and, and I understand that. And it, it, you're right, it is a common-sense move, and hopefully yeah. more common-sense moves are coming up in the future. All right, TJ, that does it for the Hoosier Huddle podcast this evening. Hopefully it is not snow two weeks. If it is, blow up TJ's Twitter, not mine, yeah. Yeah. because it's all on him. Anyway, if you have topics you want us to discuss, uh, national topics, Big Ten topics, Indiana topics, we're all for that. We'll be coming at you is it bi-monthly, bi-weekly, I think monthly, twice a month, uh, up until the beginning of the season, and then we're back weekly right. uh, with you guys. It is, we're think 130 days away from kickoff up at Lucas Oil Stadium. So hang hmm. in there. Summer's almost here, and, and we'll enjoy the warm weather and get into fall. Thanks for joining us, TJ. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, we will, you know, we'll, we'll come up with a lot of good stuff for the off season in addition to the, uh, you know, regular preview, you know, preview some big, big national teams, IU opponents, uh, you know, the rest of the Big Ten, the Big Ten East, uh, college football playoff stuff. We'll, we'll hit all those, but, you know, the big picture topics as well or anything you guys want to hear us uh, talk about. And, um, you know, I'd like to think that we kind of a little bit at least know what we're talking about outside of this Indiana football, so uh, we'll do our best to cover whatever whatever the listeners want. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening. Check back to HoosierHuddle.com for all your Indiana football.
Football News and Notes. Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore Huddle, the latest, and enjoy the rest of your week. Hopefully the warm weather stays, and we'll be back with you in a couple weeks to talk more college football. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. 